Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you need help. Now that's probably not the most polite thing to say, but it's the right thing to say. You know, most of us think that we're okay. We don't need any help. I can do things on my own. I get this. But listen again. Jesus says, if you love me, hold on to my commands. And the one who keeps them is the one who loves me. Hmm. We need help. I need to ask you three questions. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Do you know what his commands are? Yes. Do you always keep his commands? No. You see, we're, we're great at one and two. But when it comes to three, we're in trouble. And, and people might say, well, I try to keep them. I'm a pretty good Christian. I make an effort to go to church. I make an effort to pray. I make an effort maybe to, to have a devotion. I make an effort to uh, pray for others. But according to Jesus, that doesn't cut it. You need help. Because Jesus says, if you love me, another translation says, you will keep my commands. How are you feeling right now? Pretty sad. John shaking his head, no. I think we should be. Because we have failed. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We can't do what he has asked us to do. And that brings some guilt. It brings disappointment to oneself. And then the next step from that is, boy, if I can't keep his commands, where's my eternal life? Am I really a Christian? So what options do we have? Well, we can try harder. We can do better. We can learn more about his commands and the ways in which we can live a better life. Mr. D over here, he, a lot of times he throws the S word, sorry, he throws the word out, uh, sanctification. 
which is a process of becoming more like God. That's important in our lives. But if you try harder, do better, learn more of his commands, another question, how does that work out for you? You see, the more that you try, the more that you dig in, I don't know about you, but for me, the more I realize that I'm a failure. These options don't work. They lead to despair. And they have us right where Satan wants us. To be in that state of hopelessness. And once he has that, he can use other events in the world or the family or your job circumstances, or your medical conditions, and you begin that spiral downward. That's exactly where Satan wants. And then he plants in your mind, maybe I really don't love Jesus. Because if I love Jesus, I would follow his commands. Or, am I really a Christian? You know, I've, over the years now, been at many, many bedsides of people passing away. And you'd be surprised that one of the questions that I get most frequent, and that is, am I a Christian? You see, there's nothing like answering that question when you know that the Lord is going to call you home shortly. And what a wonderful opportunity it is then to bring the good news in, to remind that individual that we are saved by the blood of Christ. You see, it is impossible to show the love of God perfectly. Now, before we get down this road here, I think we have to make one thing clear. Jesus is not setting us up for failure. Yes, this is, these are our law statements, and the law drives us to realize that we're sinners, the gospel then drives us to realize the work that has already been done for us. And so we have to see that God's not set us up for failure. In fact, what does he say? He says, I desire all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of him. He doesn't say, I desire all men to be damned. No, he wants the world with him. So if you love me and keep my commands, what exactly is Jesus saying then? If I can't keep these commands, then what is he saying in our text today? I think he's saying, I am promising you something more. 
because you can't keep these, I promise you something more. You know, I don't read in my Bible, maybe it's in yours, but I don't hear Jesus saying after he tells us that we are to love him and do his commands, I don't hear him say, well, good luck with that. And the very fact that that's absent tells me that there's a greater plan and that he is going to help us follow those commands. And how does he do that? Right after he says this, he says that he is going to give us the spirit of truth, that he is going to send an advocate to us. The spirit of truth. And what is the spirit of truth? It is the Holy Spirit. So do you see what I mean when I say you need help? I know that I need help. Because there are times when I doubt that he is with me because I cannot keep his commands. This is where Jesus wants us to be. To realize that we are poor, miserable sinners. And that this gift that he has given to us, this spirit of truth, this Holy Spirit, guides us, directs us, goes with us to help us keep his commands. See, Jesus here is so concerned about his disciples, he's not going to abandon them. He does not abandon us. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Greek, the word here, Holy Spirit, is called paraclete. Paraclete. Now, it's one thing about Greek is that a lot of times it's not a one-to-one equivalent from Greek to English. And so... You could read this as, I'm going to send you a counselor. I am going to send you a helper. I am going to send you a comforter. All three of these mean the same thing. I am going to send one who's going to defend you, who's going to stick up for you. Defend us. I'm going to send you a comforter, someone who encourages us, who guides us in our journey. I am going to send you a counselor so that when you encounter things in your life in which you're confused about, you can turn to the Spirit.
So in our text, even though we cannot hold on to his commands all the time, he sends us a helper to enable us to do just that. But notice the text says this, I am going to give you another counselor. That implies we already have a counselor, or at, at this time, in, in the time that Jesus is speaking in the book of John, he's telling them, you already have a counselor. Who do you think that is? It's Jesus, right? You know, the context here is Maud Day Thursday. As I said last week, the disciples are afraid. Jesus promises that he's going to leave and go back to the Father. He tells his disciples, do not be afraid. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is preparing his disciples for the time that he must depart from them. And he says, I'm going to give you the spirit of truth. In just a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating that spirit of truth coming to us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think one thing is sad is that in some religions today, they downplay that outpouring of the Holy Spirit or they don't celebrate Pentecost Sunday. It's too liturgical. Let those liturgical churches celebrate that. But I think we need to be reminded over and over again that we have a helper. That this helper, this Holy Spirit, reminds us of God's great love for us. This Holy Spirit, what does he do? He brings us back to Jesus, where we are reminded of the great gift that he has given to us. This Holy Spirit takes us to the cross. We're reminded of his suffering. But yet in that suffering, what do we see? The greatest outpouring of love forever. How many of us here be willing to die for the sins or for the sake of others? Maybe if we had a sick child, we might be willing to give up our life to save them. But what about your neighbor? Or how about your enemy? No, on that cross, Jesus died for all. And then the Holy Spirit takes us to the empty tomb where he shows us that the work has been complete. That he's no longer there. That the plan of God the Father is now completed. And so today as we hear these words from Jesus, let us be reminded of verse 18. I will not leave you. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. We stand and confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.